Hey, 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 hello again, free thinkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project Editor-in-Chief, Matt Agarist. Our guest this week is someone who works just as hard as us, if not harder, in the independent journalism sphere. He has put together an all-star team of journalists for his popular website, and he even was a recent recipient of the Serena Shim Award for Uncompromising Integrity in Journalism. Our guest is Ryan Christian, who is the founder and editor of The Last American Vagabond. Welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast, Ryan. It's an honor to have you join us. I've been following your site, The Last American Vagabond, and your work for a couple of years now. You have accumulated a wonderful team of journalists, and you've published some very hard-hitting content. Also, a talented musical artist, which is awesome. I was listening to your song, Money Game, just this morning. And I know you just released an important video about Google's AI, which I would love to get into. But maybe first, you could share a little bit about yourself, uh, your organization, how you were able to amass such a stellar team of journalists for your publication, like Whitney Webb, who we actually interviewed last month. And the great Derek Bros, who's a friend and former writer of the Free Thought Project. Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me on, guys. You know, big respect for your work. And as I'm sure you're familiar, you when T-Lab first started, you guys were one of the main places we tried to repost a lot of the content in our Creative Commons and stuff. And just you guys have been a, a pillar in this community for a long time. So it's an honor to be here with you. Thank you, man. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, my pleasure, man. It's, it's an honor. Um, in regard to the, the work and everything, you know, it's, it's just been a long process, as I'm sure you guys are familiar with, you know. Starting one day for whatever reason, you you know decide to do this to yourself and get involved in this work, <laughs> and it you know just kind of builds over the time. And I never expected it to become what it did. And just over the years, it broadened out into something much more. I, I started real focused on cannabis law reform, which that's what that was the bleed over there. A lot of police discussion there, and that's why you know the crossover. And now for us, it's just kind of broadened out into anything we think is not being addressed properly or being misinformed or you know propaganda, government stuff, foreign policy. Uh, you know, and and for me, it was really just about making these connections with other people in, in the field that I respected. And it was always really about the people out there that I thought were going out of their way to be objective. And I, I kind of joke about my work today. I call, you know, call myself irritatingly objective because right? today's work is so everybody out there is so partisan and so quick to make those kind of assumptions and broad categorizations and, you know, and, and it's all hypocritical. So people like Derek Rose and Whitney Webb and, you know, people that were very clearly nonpartisan in the way that they did their work. And, you know, that was a huge part for me because I think the two party paradigm is the biggest issue we really have and stopping us from making real big changes. And so I just kind of connected with these people and interviewed them. And I remember the first time I interviewed Whitney when she was still writing for Mint Press News 
um, you know, come roll just behind the scenes, just doing the work for Mint Press News. And I said, you know, you've got some amazing work. Like, I'd love to have you come on and talk about, pardon me, come on and talk about like your work on Yemen is where he first connected and, and just really thought she was doing amazing work. And, you know, in, in no way was trying to like poach any writers for anybody, you know, just was like, I'd love for you to write for me too. I'm, you know, much smaller at that time. And it, it, long story short, it just broadened from there. Derek, the same way, Robert in Lakesh, uh, Taylor Hudak came along during the COVID-19 discussion because she wanted to cover a lot of the stuff that a lot of people out there weren't letting, you know, anybody talk about. And she knew that I was open to it. And she's like, would you like to have my interview with these really high level doctors? Like who wouldn't want that? But apparently a lot of people didn't, <laughs> you know? And so long story short, again, it was sto short story long, got these people under that. And we, and we kind of grew from there, you know, and now we've gotten to a point to where we're getting some pretty serious reach and some really high level people. And yet it's, it's being regarded as ridiculous conspiracy theory, as I know you guys are familiar with, you know, but that anyway, there's a lot of different directions to go there, but it's, it's a, it's an honor to be here. And I think that the, the work we're all doing is so incredibly important today. Hell yeah, man. I remember emailing with you a long time ago, uh, back in the day, man, like years ago, and you guys were like reaching out to republish articles and do vice versa, you know, it's, right. it's this is pretty awesome. Come full circle to, you know, to have you on the podcast. It's awesome. Wow, thank you, man. Pleasure to be here. I definitely think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, I, I got into all this mostly through the police accountability movement, which wasn't even really a thing when I first got into it. I mean, there wasn't any Black Lives Matter, uh, wasn't really a national movement like it has grown into today. But yeah, I, I'm right there with you, man. I had no idea that what I was getting myself into with the news business. And it, it's certainly been one hell of a journey and at times overwhelming, you know, to the point where, yeah, I mean, so much to keep your eye on, so much to know, so much to learn about at all times. And as you had mentioned, there's just so much going on. It, it's almost impossible to kind of keep your finger on the pulse on everything, but there's so much injustice out there. It feels like there's so many problems with our society that we're, we almost feel obligated, those of us who are paying attention to actually, you know, get involved and talk about all these things, even if we're not specific experts on them, at least we educate ourselves, we kind of see the patterns within the media and how the government rolls out the information, and we're able to poke holes in it and ask questions and at least kind of be the catalyst there to start conversations. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I, real quick, the point you made obligation like that's I think that's something that really stands out for me in this conversation is that the people like us that do this, you know, it's a people that try to pretend that you saw this back in the day with this community where it's like, oh, they're just trying to do this for the money. <laughs> like there's just waterfalls of money coming in with this work. It's the exact opposite, as we know, you know, it's it's, it's grueling and it's impossible half the time. And that's the point is that people like us, we do this it to being derided and attacked and ridiculed and you know so it, it's an obligation it's something in us where we just like we know that we have to keep doing this at our to our own detriment half the time you know and i think that's what's so hard people to understand is this is it's it's not you know it comes it's think point out all the doctors speaking out around covid for instance you know there's not a benefit to that right now that's the brave thing to do even if they're wrong by the way to stand up for what you believe in knowing you're going to be attacked so just you know that's what i think this field is all about is the people that are going to do it because they know it's something that they can't not do it yeah and Along those lines, I don't I don't want to get, you know, too much into your your business here. But, um, you know, we, we've been struggling for a couple of years now since we lost nearly six million fans in, in 2018 uh, when, you know, Facebook and Twitter took us down. And not only that, just the, the world, the ad rev world has shifted dramatically. I know Facebook and Google, they make up, you know, a big portion of that world. And obviously we know with their standards, their community standards, the terms of service and stuff that they really don't like organizations like ours. So it has been increasingly more difficult to 
continue doing this and, and be able to justify doing it, being able to to make the money necessary to to live. And, you know, obviously we have family and bills and stuff. So like, how does this work for T-Lab? Like, are you guys I'd, exclusively like donation and subscription or, I mean, I don't, I don't remember seeing any ads on the site. So like, how are you guys able to uh, really make this work? Yeah, it's been a process for sure. I mean, in the beginning, as anybody knows that steps into this, you kind of had the things you think everybody does. Oh, affiliate programs and all the things that get dumped on you. And you really quickly, at least I quickly realized that's that's really not you're doing all the work for somebody else, you know. And so I got away from that real early, tried Google AdSense long before doing any videos. This was just the website and very quickly got banned from AdSense. Like I was like, what am I even, I was so tiny at that time. It was such a strange thing to happen. And so that, but it was a blessing in disguise because it drove me away from that model. And I look at people like James Corbett and others that were doing the kind of donation model. And so I leaned to that pretty heavily and thank God, because that's the only reason this platform still exists is because of that model. But since then we've seen the new versions of this kind of censorship, you know, where we, you got the PayPal's and the Patreons and one by one, I mean, we, many out there have experienced this, but there's still people now that are just realizing that it's not just the fringe. Anybody, there's people that I connect with, let's say that may be like higher level donators because I reach out as a courtesy, you know, and I say, hey, thank you for doing such a big donation, but there's no influence on content and it's just whenever they want to and people that want to donate and that's it, you know? So the, the funny part I always say is that the, the corporate model they don't, they can't wrap their mind around this. Like, what are they getting for it? <laughs> they just believe in us. You know, that's the point. Sure. And that's what a lot of people want. But so then to the next point is, you know, we saw, you know, PayPal, for instance, was one of the big ones for me where it was, you know, like you guys with your Facebook and that kind of thing. It was the primary point for us to get our donations. I, I can't remember the percentage, but, you know, 70 plus at that point was coming in direct donation, recurring donation. And they just pulled that plug and it was based on ridiculous reasoning you know it was it was outrageous not even to get in all the details because everybody knows that story by now then you know the patreon same thing oh we'll move to patreon and same thing let it build up and then they pull the rug out and that specifically quickly was on a point that we now have proven both whitney and myself in regard to not just astrazeneca but any of them causing blood clots that's the story they pulled you for misinformation then that's all true today and we're still censored but one by one they knocked them all down and just to add that to currently today I'm not going to say I know this is happening just yet, but I'm dealing right now with an issue with Stripe. I tried to set up another portal on my website to be direct donate and very quickly got a nice flow from people going, oh, good, we can donate. And now it's all just sitting there. And I'm like, why isn't this in my account? I don't see it on Stripe. And I'm back and forth between everybody. And they're like, we don't know what's going on. It's like, could be a glitch, but it's you know very easy for me to start thinking, okay, it's just more this technocratic level kind of censorship. So now it's become pretty predominantly, believe it or not, people directly mailing into my PO box. I mean, it's, that's the point where people are going to, and, it, and it's and it's keeping us going. But same with you is it's been a struggle, man. You know, really hard, grueling process. But I'm not going to stop, as I know you guys won't either. You know, I mean, I can't even imagine dealing with something like what you guys went through. You know, this huge, something like six million people being lost to you, and we know that that doesn't come right back around. As much as they'd like to believe they're going to jump over to the next platform, they're just like, oh, I guess they stopped doing it. <laughs> it's like. I, you know, it's crazy, but yeah, I'm sure there's a more question in there, but it's, it's been a process and we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep growing that as however we can, you know? Yeah. There's workarounds that everybody's quickly learning, man. PayPal was, uh, just shooting in the wild there. I've seen so many people have their PayPal deleted. Like that's our, that's our main source right now. Hopefully, you know, like they're not listening to this <laughs> and see, you know, but, I was uh, money out too. Cause they stole money from me. But a lot of other people, I never got it back. They just oh, wow. close it and they there's a process they give you where it's like, oh, reach out to this. And then right out of the gate, they say the process takes like six months. <laughs> so it's like, hopefully you didn't have all of your bills in there, you know, everything you need. 
but just heads up because that that happened. I've heard a lot of people like that where they just freeze it and you never get it back. Yeah, we had the same thing with Google too. We would Google would show like we made so many so much money for the month, and then when it would come time to pay us, they would subtract seventy five percent of that. And, invalid uh, traffic. Yeah, they invalid, claimed invalid. it was invalid traffic, but we have like you know we have Cloudflare, we have we are on a dedicated server, we have all these different uh, firewalls in place to prevent any type of you know invalid traffic. But yeah, that's what they would they would come and say that every month, and eventually we had to move away from them as well. And now we're, we we have some uh, some pretty cool stuff that we're moving towards right now, which is Roundtable.io, uh, mm. which is going to be their own payment processing platform and everything. And they're going to be working on a subscription model. And um, I mean, maybe we can even talk to our people there and see if you guys could have a, pla a place over there, you know? So, um, you. yeah, we're supposed to be moving there on uh, August 3rd, actually. And uh, that's when we go live with them. So. Uh, yeah, they have all their direct marketing campaigns and they, they're going to be able to do the subscription based model, sort of like Rockfin. Um, nice. But it's a really cool thing. It's good. It's going to have people from all different viewpoints. And that's the whole point, like a roundtable. You know, you have uh, peaceful discourse between people who disagree. And that's how you actually have solutions, you know, instead oh, of God just. Forbid. Yeah, yeah, I know. right? <laughs> they're going to be shut down immediately. <laughs> Man, well, I really appreciate that. I'm by the way, on, on that same note, I just saw an app that came out. I, I don't want to promote. I've, I haven't fleshed it out to see if it really is what they're promoting. But the argument being that it's an app that uh, that will give you, you know, free speech minded companies and, and stores and shops that are willing to not make you wear a mask and that believe in this and that that's what we need. You know, I, I don't know how it's on the app store. It'll probably get kicked off pretty quickly, but that's great to see. You know, we need that because that's what most people want just to be able to see who's supporting you, you know, I'm willing to let you make your own choices. Yeah, that's it's crazy you had mentioned that. We've actually had what three now different podcast guests over the past couple months who've all mentioned that PayPal have pulled their funding, um, no explanation. Uh, if they did have an explanation, they tried to appeal it, and there was just no response at all. So um, I don't even know that's legal. I mean, realistically, like you know, the idea that they can seize your money and then freeze it for that period of time and then never give it—I mean, I know that's not legal. <laughs> There's no way yeah. around that. No matter, they, they would at the very least have to prove legally that there was some kind of not just a violation of their agreement, but some sort of a crime. Law, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, every time these things happen, though, I mean, it it is kind of. A good thing in a, in a way and i know it sounds crazy but it actually makes the market shift in a way and so as we're saying as matt mentioned you know people are moving they're they're migrating past these legacy uh outlets organizations or whatever and and trying to find ones that are more in line with you know their own values and they're not going to get screwed over by so you, right. you did say something though and i think it's it's really important to kind of note this when it comes to donations and subscriptions in this type of business, it, it really does kind of fall on being authentic. And there's that quote, you know, authenticity repeated creates trust. And I think that's so very important to kind of remind some of our colleagues in this space, because it's so often the case where people are tempted for like the clickbait sensationalist headlines or trying to find some divisive title for your article or whatever. And well, that might get you some short quick clicks in, in the short term, it, it's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to be a long-term uh, business model for you. So I, I really think that's something that people need to kind of focus on. And we've certainly uh, really tried to shift in that direction as well. I mean, the market has changed as well. You know, social media has changed since our heyday back in, you know, 2015, 2016. So we're, we're all just trying to kind of keep up and adapt. I, I did notice that um, 
this morning when I was taking some notes for the show that you guys are actually banned on Twitter right now currently. And uh, yeah, you, you have a, a large presence on Sovereign. So um, we always try to talk about possible solutions, especially to the censorship epidemic. What do you think we can do uh, to kind of bypass some of the censorship or what do you think are possible solutions that we're facing? You know, th there's so many out there that I wish I understood better to start there, like the high, like the complete, like paradigm shifting kind of stuff, whether that's Linux or, you know, these new things that I'm again, I'm like barely trying to understand right now. I don't barely have any time to step out of the daily news cycle to <laughs> understand sure. how these things work. But I, I'm trying to find something technologically minded to kind of step into the organization. But, you know, just these ideas of uh, even going even further, like a decentralized Internet kind of step like that is where we need to be going. I think we all see that need. But just speaking directly the censorship first of all on twitter for those that know uh what i've been doing in this actually I'll, I'll just start there corbett and i are gonna have a conversation about this this is something i hope other people can emulate and i'm glad i thought about this what i've been trying to do in any platform of censoring me is either it's called either t live pirate streams or pirate channels and it's a kind of a nod to pirate radio you know the idea of a time when they're you know you had to find a way around that because they weren't allowed whatever the music was at that time you know it's the devil music and so now we're at a time where we see that happening too information is just banned because it's you're not allowed to say it so first started with youtube and what i did and i didn't even know how this was going to go at first and it was like am i going to break a law here or is something weird happening i just threw it out and i said i know this is taboo but if you want to send me your credentials send me your login information, whatever I might need, stream keys to be able to broadcast on your channel since we were just censored both on our backup T-Lab channel and the main YouTube channel. I'll just going to broadcast on your channel. Let's see how that works, you know? And at first it kind of slow, but I, since I did that a while ago, I've gone through like 50 different channels, censored, censored, banned, blocked over and over. I know YouTube is aware of it just by the way they're conducting and the actions they're taking, but you'll see that I'm getting 4,000 views on a channel that's got 10 subscribers. The point is what I'm trying to show people is that if we can make our community collect off their platform, right? So where you like, let's say discord or something else, you're still vulnerable to censorship there, but you make it new and you, that's where the channel will be, right? So this week we're using this channel. So come subscribe or come check there every day and it's working. So we're getting it out on YouTube. Now I don't want to use YouTube, but I use it because I want to get it reached to the people that might not see it, that need to see it there. The moment that's not necessary, I'll stop using YouTube, right? But same thing with Twitter. We've been censored three times now on Twitter and both, I mean, every time for ridiculous claims of misinformation that are later proven to be true. But in this case, the last time I, 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 I don't even cuss on here. S you not. <laughs> I was, I was pointing to Dr. McCullough speaking on a stage that always sounds McCullough, Peter McCullough, not Mercola. I always can say right. <laughs> on, on a stage where he was pointing to a screen that showed a peer reviewed study a peer-reviewed scientific study, and all he was doing was referencing what it said. I posted a video of him saying that, and I linked the study beneath it. They quoted that as misinformation. Like, that's crazy to think about. So they sent to the channel, and I just did the same thing again. I said, look, just send me your channel. So right now I've got like five or 10 different Twitter accounts that I'm using, and they're censoring just based on, like, they can't prove it's my account. They're just censoring because they think it's me. They've done that with channels I wasn't even using yet, if you can believe that. People that set it up under a pirate account. Anyway, the point is, I think if we do this, the communities can continue to support these channels. You can just jump to the next one. They all follow you. It's a, it's, it's a hindrance for sure. And I think it's going to evolve. But if we can all start doing that, it really does make their censorship meaningless, right? Because if you're not worried about the engagement or the shares, and it, it's meaningless to them. But I think it's really important that we find other ways around that to your last point about like Sovereign, for instance, or any other platform, BitChute, Rockfin, the groups that are leaning into, you know, not all of them are completely 
of the mind of free speech that I would call free speech, right? There's, there's little things, but they do list them in their, in their community right. guidelines and so on. And they've seemed to have held to them. So I support them and there's a lot of them out there. And so we need to put our eggs in many baskets, you know, cause the, the, that's how they get you as you go, you all on PayPal or you're all on YouTube and they just pull the rug out and you just are left going, well, what do I do now? Nobody can hear my voice anymore, you know? And so that's really important. But I, I think it's, I think we should follow our websites, you know, go to the freethoughtproject.com. That's where you should go. Don't go to Twitter to see what they're saying. You know, that's kind of the one they've trained us to do. And there's a lot of other ways we can go on that too. But I wanted to uh, make a point about what you said a moment ago about, you know, the important thing about this is what we're doing is it's the integrity point you're making. You know, it's, it's whether you're right or wrong in the information that you're spreading, it's important that you just stay consistent and stand by what you believe in. And then, you know, circle back and be like, yeah, I made a mistake. You know, if you're wrong, that's the, your consistent part of that. Sorry, that was disjointed. I know you made that point a minute ago, no, but it's, good. it's, it's important good. to point that out that people like you, like, and, and anybody out there that's doing the same thing or just remaining consistent with what they do and standing by what they believe in. And that's the problem for them. But people are seeing that people are desperately thirsty for that you yes. know and that's why they're willing to donate for nothing just because they believe in you you know for sure man and that's like the jumping from platform to platform that's kind of a way to defeat the the algorithm that's chasing you around on that platform you know and um that's like, a, like i think that might be a good segue into what we wanted to talk about today like the, the artificial intelligence that's right that's doing a lot of this you know we we it's like so broad and and like inaccurate we had a we had a, a article go out where we just we reported that some people conducted a study right like these people did a study we said that hey they did this study i forgot what the study was on it, it showed something but it, it didn't support the medical establishment's viewpoint right but um so we reported that these people did a study and it even said study finds this not we didn't say this proves and you know we're, we've proven that this is the thing you know, we didn't say that at all, like you said, you know, but the fact check algorithm hit us and um, and completely lied. Like it, it wasn't true that we said we didn't say any of these things, you know. Right. And but we, yet the algorithm chased us down and uh, and then we got a subsequent strike and then lost that that much more of our traffic, you know, from social media. So that's a big problem. man. these algorithms are these tools of tyrants i mean obviously they, they could have they could be a massive benefit you know for for humankind but they can also as we're seeing you know lead to mass censorship of actual true and relevant information that people need to know yeah yeah i mean this this as i point out often is that the you know it's not even really the future it's where we are now but this is the technocratic future i mean this is what is being built the you know the technocratic panopticon idea where you're you know it everybody out there that's already kind of going along with it is self-censoring Oh, I'm not supposed to say those things. And that's what they want. That's the panopticon. So oh, they're watching, you know, but we're going to get to a point further and further where it's going to get more and more intense. You know, like, like you're saying, the algorithms are, are, are ridiculous at this point. I mean, it's, are they like, uh, I think this is a point that again, Corbett made, we recently talked about this, that they are, they broke themselves to censor us. Like when you really watch what's happening, like their algorithms are censoring corporate media on accident. You know, it's like they, they, cause it's, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. Like the algorithm was built in a way that now they're going, well, wait, this is actually true, but we want you to censor it, you know? So it's, it's confusing itself and it's kind of broke itself in a lot of ways. YouTube and these platforms are struggling like that. But I, I think it's important that we see that that is being built around us right now. And, and to your other point about how it's kind of confusing, like there's a great point about masks that I just saw. And this was hilarious that this guy posted 
uh, in satire basically said that masks have shown to save 500,000 lives in dentist office alone. You know, it was being a joke. <laughs> and, and they tagged it under a science category and on Twitter because it said mask and it said save lives. That's all they care about. You know, my point I keep making is you're allowed to lie and spread misinformation in the direction of the narrative. They don't care about that. You know, so yeah, it's, it's a really concerning situation. And to the point about the Google and AI part about it is just, this is exponentially driving in the direction where we're going to either be told that it's an sentient AI, a sentient AI that makes decisions and we have to listen to it even though it's not, and they're lying to you to get you to believe it, or they do have something like that. And either way, they're going to say, we should trust what the AI says because it knows better. I mean, that's quite literally what Eric Schmidt was saying before this, what they're now generally hinting at now. And to the point for those that haven't seen the coverage, a great discussion with Whitney Weber, uh, research is always out of the park, where yeah. we just talked about this and where she's pointing at this Google discussion where they're saying, or rather it was an engineer who basically released the information that said, oh, that we have a sentient AI that has feelings and they're not respecting its rights. It's so weird. Even talking about its pronouns, it feels weirdly tapped into the current situation. And then Google comes out and says, oh, that's not true. And they're making it up. And so it leaves you going, well, which one is it? Right. But either way, that's the point is they're going, well, if that's the case, we need to listen because they know better. And the craziest part is them saying, when it happens, they may make decisions that we think are immoral and wrong, but are actually the right decision. So we just have to trust it. It's like, isn't that just the perfect little situation for the government? It's like, yeah, we murdered all those people, but the AI said it was the right move. You know, that's a really scary direction, but doesn't it perfectly overlap with what they're currently doing? You know, oh, the scientists said, the experts said, which ones? Oh, it doesn't matter. You know, just trust them, trust the science, even though we're not even looking at the science anymore. You know, it's a really concerning situation. But yeah, the Google part of that, and it's not just Google, but it's it's we're we are right there, guys. I mean, I feel like this is building right now. Yeah. And I think there's some overlap here, you know, with the algorithms that Facebook uses and some of the algorithms Google uses. Obviously, this is probably yeah. more advanced AI, but they can't distinguish nuance. And there's there's a real issue there, as we've been, you know, both kind of pointing out. And, you know, just to jump back here, because I didn't really get a chance to, to talk on that, like it is a big game of whack-a-mole right now. I certainly love that idea of using people's logins and jumping from platform to platform. I mean, that seems to make sense. And we kind of had like a similar solution, which was kind of finding like networks of like-minded page owners and friends and colleagues who also are kind of like in your network. So when you do get taken down, you just create a brand new account, same name, maybe 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, whatever. And then that network boosts you back up again. And, you know, next thing you know, you already have 3,000, 4,000 followers and then the content just grows itself. Um, so that that's one possible solution as well. I know Liberty Memes has done that over the years and anti-state on Instagram. And there's just almost like so many uh, accounts that Instagram or, or Facebook or whoever can't really keep up with it, you know? And so you're creating more accounts, you're building them slowly, you're cross-posting and whatnot. And um, it, it seems to seems to be working. And of course, you know, these are just workarounds because that's what we have to do at this this day and age is to be able to, to get information out there. And it has to be some kind of collusion between these big tech companies. Right. Because as you know, you know, like Twitter and Facebook took us down within hours of each other, us, the anti-media, a few other organizations. So I don't think that's out of the picture to, to say that that's happening. I know that people like Derek Bros have completely degoogled their lives. Uh, and, and to be fair, there's like online tutorials of like how to achieve that process or whatever. But with your current knowledge about Google AI and their, their large scale privacy violations and spying on 
users' personal information and stuff. Like, have you personally completely eradicated Google products from your life, or do you like still find some some value in them? No, no. Well, the last part first. Absolutely, I don't find value in any of it. The problem is just that we, you know, dare I, I commend Derek for doing that. It's very difficult. It's I mean, very it really, difficult. The yeah. problem is that from from my perspective, it would be very. And again, the real point always comes back to the work. You know, it's really difficult for me. And this is why I need to try to broaden my organization. But then that needs more revenue, which then is the kind of hamster wheel that you're on where it's impossible to get there. Yes. But I don't have time to really try to break this out because every day to day, the daily cycle and then publishing their work and editing their work and putting up the videos and Taylor's interviews. And you know what I mean? Like it just becomes, you guys know the work is, is consuming. And so it's hard to decouple yourself from these things that you have immersed in your website, let's say, sure. you know, in different versions of it. I mean, even YouTube links, for example, like there's, you know, how long it would take to go back and take every single show or page you've, I've done over the last 10 plus years and, and change out the YouTube link, let's say, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it's work that needs to be done but it's impossible for me right now to do, you know? So sure. I want to do that. And I, everybody can learn from what Derek is doing. And not even just Google, by the way, he's completely removed bank accounts, the current, right. you know, current iteration of them and, and is using other alternative versions. So he is definitely someone we should pay attention to, but I am slowly working my way there. Really for me, it's kind of become like a crutch in my mind that I just need to get that person here that'll help me do it. And then I end up, you know, but it's, you know, it's on me too. I should. There's a sure. lot of different ways that we could be removing these things from our lives, but one step at a time, you know, I, the answer is yes, wholeheartedly. I need to do that. And everybody should, if they can. Yeah, absolutely. Bros is a shining light in that sense. And I, I know there's like um, a certain phone that's being sold right now, uh, which I'll give that phone. a shout out right now. Yeah. He, uh, uh, Romani does a great, this is, it's called yes. the above phone or above dot phone is the website you can look up. I actually have one of those and it's the same point. It, it takes, it takes, this is why it's going to be hard for most of the average people to make the step because it's, it's not as convenient. You know, you, you, you can make that phone pretty much exactly like the phone you have now, but then you would lose all the security and privacy parts of it, but you could, you could buy that and just adapt it. So it's a completely workable phone and I highly recommend it. The problem is that if you want it to work and the way you would use your current phone with the privacy, you have to download different apps, set them up and the whole process. And it's, it can be a little technical in some ways. And I just, again, it's just been a time thing for me. I haven't gotten it trans transitioned, but I highly recommend it. It's an outstanding phone, very high level, and they're very engaged. That's the steps we don't need to be taking, you know, just one step at a time. And I right, right out of the bat, I would say the kind of the small things are trying, if like, if you're not doing what we're doing, there's no reason to be on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter. You know, there's a lot of other platforms that respect your free speech and respect your privacy where you can still get the same flow of information. I just use them because that's where all the people are that don't see it. You know, that's where all the lost people are, if they put it that way. And so I think it's important to keep dumping the information there, but not to promote them as best we can. Sure. Yeah. No, that's that's certainly, a, you know, I'm not calling you out in any shape or form here, but it's a convenient, convenient excuse for people like us because we are trying to appeal to the normies. We are trying to plant those seeds. We are trying to wake up consciousness on a global scale here. So we do have to be tapped into the world's largest social media platform, Facebook, you know, and, and YouTube and Twitter. So I, I get it. I totally feel your pain on that. And it sucks because we, as much as we want to get away from it and we kind of feel like hypocrites because we have to stay, but that's where the masses are. And we don't necessarily want to just put ourselves in a corner in an echo chamber where we're just, you know, stroking each other's right. egos and confirming each other's biases. Yeah. Well, the real point for me, <clears throat> excuse me, is, you know, that, if we didn't, let's say, you know, what's the alternative that we that I mean, the the largest grouping of people or rather to put it this way, the what we do 
not to speak for you, but I believe it's the same idea is that, you know, we do this because we're trying to inform the people that don't see it. They don't understand that we're being lied to. They don't realize the police are doing what they're doing. You know, it's important and they wouldn't see it otherwise because they're in a, they're in their echo chambers where everything is what they told it, what they're told it is. And so how do you reach those people if you're not doing it? Well, maybe somebody on that circle will happen to see your show over on Odyssey and post the link. But in most cases, those circles are real quick to dismiss things from those platforms. You know, so it's really just about keeping it in front of them. You know, and that and then showing people look at how it's being censored and here, you know, it's not supposed to be. But I'm with you, man. I I, I think about it every day, you know, and, and whether like, again, Corbett's example of getting off Facebook and getting off these platforms, you know, it's it's a question about whether it's, you know, is, youth, is it worth it? Are you reaching the same amount of people? You have a better effect when you do that. So my stance has always been the same. And I get the criticism is, is that it's about reaching those people. And the moment that that's not the case where like, let's say you can make the most money on YouTube and get the most views but it has the most people you'd reach would be over here. I would stop using YouTube tomorrow. And I'll stand by that. You know, it's really just about reaching them, but trust me, I get it. I'm, I'm with you, man. It's, it's a hard choice. Everything we do, seems to be a hard choice these days. It certainly <laughs> is. And with our philosophies, I don't think Facebook is making any money off of us or anything like that. Right. You know, we're, we're very wise to what they do and how they farm humans and for their intelligence or for their, you know, for their corporate intelligence. So none of us are giving them that information. So they're, yeah, their ads to me are like completely irrelevant because they have no idea where I stand on anything. Right. And uh, yeah, it's all over the place. So yeah, we're, we're basically not feeding their monster. You know, we're just using it to reach people that are feeding their monster. <laughs> Yeah, well, real quick on that, since you mentioned the the data, I was just listening to uh, a lot of the great reset conversation. I forget. I think it was uh, who just said that. I'm going to blank on who it was now. But basically, the argument, the discussion being, oh, it was it was Harari, Yuvari Harari. I think is the he's a great reset guy. We're always speaking about the nanotechnology and the human race species going away and everything. And right. there's a lot of them that said it. Even the commissioner of the EU said the same kind of thing that data is the key to where they're going. And he said that the masters of the future, the future earth masters was how he put it essentially will be the ones that have all the data, you know? And so what we're watching this build where we're dumping all of our information into the hands of these, you know, Facebooks and Twitters, and they're acting like it's all just about revenue, but that's never really been the case. And I think we're starting to see that flesh out that this was a long sought kind of argument plan where they're, been collecting all the data so they understand you and that even speaks to the ai conversation right about figuring out like i think it even musk and the conversation of the machine brain interface and trying to take over twitter the argument being that twitter is at this point the closest thing to like a stream of consciousness of the population you know and they're trying to buy the flow of data and how that can translate into trying to reach the singularity and you know so it's it's much more nefarious than just being able to sell you these ads but that's obviously a huge part of it you know but it's it's some nefarious Great point. Yeah, great. Yeah, point. that's a point that Whitney brought up that it's this is a big push towards transhumanism. And um, I'd never heard that argument pre uh, presented before, but the way she she laid it out, it was fucking ominous, man. And and yeah, <clears throat> yeah it kind of blew my mind. She she that was a whole hour of her blowing our minds on the uh, that last yeah. podcast we did with her. That this is a theory that I had around the same idea. And it connects to the COVID-19 discussion and, and the injections. Now, we know that they put nanotechnology, which doesn't have to mean robots, right? Just so we're clear, nanoparticles are considered nanotechnology in the same frame. But there definitely could be a case since they've studied that relentlessly right up until now, the idea of actual like nanorobot kind of discussions in regard to vaccination. But my thought was this, if they're using the technology that way in regard to the platforms, trying to reach the singularity and map all this stuff, and Whitney's point has always been seemingly they continue to fail in that regard. 
They can't reach that. And that's a huge, important point for where they want to go. So I had the thought about this when we started realizing there was definitely some kind of weirdness going on with the injections, whether remember the early conversation with the magnet, magnogenetics and the magnet conversation, like the magnet thing alone, the videos was strange and people dismissed it quickly. But the idea of magnogenetics and how that's something they were working on is led right up into COVID-19. So it's a very valid discussion. And then my thought was this. What if this is something and it could be multifaceted? Obviously, there's more going on. What if it was primarily about or possibly one of the reasons was about using these injections to set, sort of make a mesh network of people's bodies, like using the nanotechnology? Because that's a real thing that's happening. The idea of having the Wi-Fi capability, the 5G technology and how it relates and whether that was a way to try to like turn the current people that take it into a way to map them simultaneously. That's a very real possibility. Now, it sounds crazy and it is it's high level, ridiculous kind of concept. But is it possible? Yeah, it really is. And so maybe that was one of the things. It kind of ties back into the next step of that information. Now, a lot of people will dismiss that, and you should consider it, but it's interesting, I think, at the very least. I just saw um, that ties in with that. They're, they're, they created a uh, transparent solar film, and they said how it could be put on car windshields, everything else, like all these different applications where you can actually see through it. And the last thing that they mentioned was human skin. <laughs> and I was like, man, why in the hell would you need to put solar panels on human skin? Like you don't have to power the human body, right? <laughs> they have smart dust right now. This and this this was smart dust. The, the guy spoke about this on a panel in 2011, if I remember correctly, and he said 10 years before that panel, they had the ability to to use smart dust that was one tenth the size of a a piece of paper, like so tiny. The smart dust, it's dust size, and that it ran on your body's own energy. Like literally was, was, you know, RFID technology. They could control things from that. You know, it could raise the heat level and your body's motion and energy ran it itself. 10 years before 2011. Think about what could be possible now. Maybe it's already in use. Maybe that's what it was. Like these are valid questions, you know? So it's it's definitely there. To, to your point about this, the solar panel, I mean, it kind of adds together, doesn't it? It's like they're right. building all these <laughs> different parts. It's, it's very alarm, it's alarming. 10 years before 2011 was 2001. And there's been speculation. Go ahead, sorry. Speculation that there was nanothermite dust within the World Trade Centers on 9-11. So right. Yeah. yeah. I want to just gonna say I might have I might have been 2014 and 10 years before. I don't have it in oh, front of me. But in any case, sure, it's sure. the same point. It's been worked on long before the year 2000, right? So it's it's an interesting point to think about. And really, whether a lot of the stuff we see on a regular basis have just been previous experiments on the human species. You know, I mean, th that's been proven that this has happened many times. Operation Sea Spray, for example, where they spray stuff over San Francisco to see what happens and people died. You know, these yeah. things happen. So I wonder what that, that's what's happening now. Yeah, they just last year, they just uh, gassed a New York subway tunnel. Right. You know? that's right. <laughs> Let's see what happens. God. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And that's that's admitted stuff. And that's that's that's, that's mainstream news. Right. This was on NBC. We covered it on the website because it was, yeah. you know, I mean, that's crazy shit that they're going to gas a tunnel. And they're like, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. It's uh, it's nothing to worry about. But you can yeah. incite mass panic for people who don't know that that's going to go on. You know, sure. People could have stampeded over one another and like killed a lot of people. It's just yeah, it's that's insane a point that I make all the time about like the, <clears throat> you know, uh, real live exercises where you've got helicopters and shooting drills and stuff, which they do in like public areas a lot of times. And it, they put like a notice on their website. Like, and was, my point is like, how in the world is the average person going to know <laughs> running across the street with guns that that's, you know, it's, I think it's, I think that's the point. It's kind of meant to see how we react to the real time situation. That's one of my thoughts anyway. 
Yeah. And if I see gas flowing through a subway tunnel and I'm, I'm booking it the other direction, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and so are, so is everybody else. Yeah. It's just completely irresponsible and crazy. These mass experiments like that, but at least no one died there, but they've been like you said, over, over San Francisco, there's been mass human experiments on just American citizens for, for decades that are admitted and they're well-documented, you know, they haven't wiped them out of the, uh, off the, government documents yet you can like actually pull it from government websites and see that <clears throat> that's one of the articles that i that i've referenced of of the past it's actually an article from your website that i reposted way back then that it talks about so many it's you know hundreds so many experiments they've admitted to on the humans human you know on our countries let's say so again just to shout out your website and that's one of the ones i point out a lot you know that they've admitted to this stuff you know or we're tying it to COVID 19 and today where they i think it was the C, or it was the CDC that admitted Fort Detrick had one leak every three days for seven years straight. And they were BSL three or four. They work on Ebola and all this different stuff. You know, it's like there's they have these things out there where they admit them. But then when you say that on, let's say, Twitter, it's like, oh, conspiracy theory. They'd never do that. It's like, but here they admit it. it's right there. Ah, fake news. You know, it's like <laughs> crazy. Yeah. The, yeah. And the, the complete dismissal of the criminal backgrounds of these corporations who, you know, like yeah. Pfizer, for instance, the the complete dismissal of that by by the by corporate media and um, their complete apologetic tone that they take with these with these criminal organizations, you know, that have harmed tens of thousands of people up up to and including children, and and causing their deaths. And, and we just, if right. you question that, the the algorithm wipes you out. Don't forget, they the CEO of Pfizer called us criminals for not taking the the vaccine too which is quite ironic you know and just uh more of that double speak the Pfizer tracker which i show all the time i mean it's undeniable what's the craziest part about it is it's something like it's over like 10 billion dollars in fines for these crimes they've committed and it lists them all off and it's like the some of the most primary crimes are like lying about the effects of the drugs safety violations you know it's like literally everything we're concerned about today and that alone is enough for people to be like I'm going to go ahead and wait. <laughs> not that you need a reason, by the way, to say I'm not going to take this thing. You know, it's just madness. Yeah. And the fact checkers are just as complicit as well. Just recently, NBC actually admitted that the vaccine uh, did affect women's periods. Uh, I think it was like 40, 42% of women. Uh, so, and, you know, we, for years and even uh, for about a year and a half, they're telling us that wasn't the case. The fact checkers were. And then there was like another study that surfaced around March and Matt and I covered it. I put out a meme or two and they fact check that again. And now, well, guess what? The arbiters of truth, NBC say it's, it's true. So uh, apparently it's true, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's kind of old news now, you know, complaining about fact checkers and stuff. Obviously that's like uh, it's just as relevant as ever. I mean, I, I know it gets, relevant, but... we hear it like sort of like the censorship topic, you know, it's like, yeah, it's still just just beating the dead horse at this point, you know, <laughs> yeah. but uh so it's no secret that Google is straight away from the motto that it once embraced that, you know, don't be evil. And many don't really know like how deep the Google rabbit hole really goes. And I, I looked at our archives and back in October 2020, uh, CNET reported that court docs showed that Google was giving data to police based on certain search keywords. Uh, again, later, Forbes uh, in 2021 also reported the same exact thing. Uh, we also reported uh, Google veteran employees teamed up with government to create AI drones that predict behavior. Um, earlier this year, Google rolled out a new feature that autocorrects uh, their document editor with woke inclusive language. Wow. And as, as you had mentioned, um, in like mid-June of this year, one of their engineers were placed on leave after insisting the company's AI was sentient. 
Um, so I know that you guys, you and Whitney Webb, like really did a deep dive on Google. Like, what do you think was like hands down the craziest and more most worrisome thing that Google is working on or doing right now that you found in your research? Well, I mean, I have to, my thing, there's a lot of like nefarious things that you can tie in connections to that, you know, Google is it's all encompassing. It seems, you know, there's ties to just like everything everywhere. It's the largest thing on the planet, it seems. And so it's, it's, you could talk about military, foreign policy, you know, any of these things or take like Amazon, same example, like the drone conversation, like how is that even happening? I mean, even their own, own employees push back against that. But to my personal opinion, I, I have to go with the idea of just controlling the flow of information. Like there's a lot of really nefarious crimes and, and cover-ups and things that are happening around the world, whether because of Google or at their behest, in my opinion, based on the information. But what is the most, in, the biggest hindrance we have is they are actually stopping your information from reaching people. They're stopping, you know, cult, uh, cultivating the, the search results and so on, you know, without that, it, it, at the very least, it would be an even playing field to regard to searching things and finding information, but it just doesn't happen anymore. You know, there's a lot of examples of creators proving that where here's yeah. my results today. Number one result has the most views ever. And then it's just tomorrow. It's just gone. Can't even find it. Like I'll even search for things in quotation marks, like exact titles of articles, like things that are like moderately mainstream. And if it says the certain thing, you just can't find it. You know, and I mean, that's the really think about how incredible that is. Of course, that was also a conspiracy theory like 30 seconds ago, you know. So I have for me, that seems like the biggest hindrance. But overall, that the nefarious actions of Google, I think, are, are ubiquitous. I mean, it's literally anything you talk about, in my opinion, because of the companies they tie to and the work that they do. You could talk about, you know, intelligence gathering of foreign countries. I mean, there's all sorts of horrendous things that are happening. But I think for personally, it's about the control of information. Dude. Actually, I have a perfect example for this. Just recently, I was making a meme of all the different presidents going all the way back to George H. Bush uh, visiting the Saudi prince, you know, doing the bow, uh, that whole thing. And I could, there was one picture that we had from our archives from a, a meme from years ago that I, I remember Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton uh, meeting with the Saudi prince, couldn't find it anywhere on Google, nowhere at all. Finally typed in image search. And tin can, it's like another image search come, came up and there it was like, it was one of the first results. So, I mean, that was just a perfect example. Like they're clearly trying to limit some information. I mean, this is the internet. Like how can that image just disappear? Well, it hasn't disappeared. Google's right. made it disappeared. And even that alone, as you said, it, it, it changes the results. It changes the conversation. And same thing applies to like Facebook or any of these other platforms where if we're not even allowed to see other people's uh, dissenting opinions, then that skews the conversation towards the the, the mainstream establishment's agenda. Yeah, I agree. I know Matt was going to say something. I was going to throw real quickly that the the, oh, yeah. the majority part of that is that's the that's the next step in that argument, right? Is that yes, the flow of information, and I think that's the most important. But what does that lead to? It's exactly what you're pointing out is that I truly believe, and this is something that I, rightly so people push back on, and I, I could be wrong. I truly believe the majority of people today see what's happening. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all on the same page. It's like the 9-11 argument. Everyone's got a thousand different theories. But if we all agree that they lied to us, we're, we're on the same page, right? We know that our government manipulated the situation. They lied to us. And I think right now, I mean, just looking at the percentages of the vaccine, let's say, and how that was coerced and forced. And even then, they barely got over 50, 60 percent, you know, the whole thing. I think that most people are aware that we're being lied to, but we, the, let's just say that's a 70% majority of the country and the rest of it represents the left and the right of the extreme parties, just hypothetically. 
Most of that 70% doesn't realize that. And why? Because of the control of the flow of information. You know, they look on Google, they look elsewhere, the Twitters and the Facebooks or watch corporate media. I mean, where else do we actually get any kind of perception of a majority opinion? I mean, it's yeah. impossible to get anywhere else, right? So we just tend to look at it. And even we do that. I do it all the time. And I'm like, why do I listen to what they're telling us, you know? And I think that's the biggest problem is that I think we just need to, even if it's just wishful thinking, <laughs> it's like people, at least a lot of people realize that that they're wrong. Like maybe they think, oh, we should wear a mask, but they draw the line where you're being forced to take it or forced to wear it. That's on the same page as far as I'm concerned right now. You know, it's all about choice and, and, and your constitutional rights. So what if everybody agrees with that and we just don't see it? You know, I mean, the corporate media is never going to be like, yeah, you got us. Nobody agrees with us anymore. They're going to yeah. keep telling you everyone agrees with it because that's their job. Maybe right. we're already there. You know, I, it's a real question we need to ask ourselves. Yeah, man, that's a great point. I was just going to give an example of the Google information manipulation, which was the Hunter Biden stuff that, that came out, you know, when they hacked his uh, his iCloud account, you go Google it and it was given. These results are changing rapidly, so we can't show you any of them right now. And uh, they can't like they're, that. That's something they implemented in 2020 during COVID to stop the spread of misinformation. So they admittedly, you know, put that in there to to manipulate information, to 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 control what information people see and to control what information gets spread. You know, mm -hmm. I think one of the, I mean, I don't know that it's Google behind it, but one of like the most monumental um, information nuggets that was ever controlled was Tower Seven. You know, like so many people over the years didn't even know that a third tower fell on 9-11. You know, like my my dad, before he died, like we got into a really bad argument because he didn't. He's like, no other tower fell. You know, like there's most people thought that like, I mean, I'm not I can't say most people, but there was a significant portion of the population who had no idea that Tower 7 fell because that information was withheld from them. And I mean, that's just one little small piece of the flow of information and, and what shows the massive effect that it can have you know yeah. once people saw tower seven fell fall you know at free fall speed into its own footprint they started questioning things you know like dude a plane didn't even hit that you're saying right. like a office furniture made this building fall into its own footprint that's kind of crazy right like so it just and i I, I mean, I'm guessing the reason it was not shown to the world was because it does pose those questions and it does make send people down the rabbit hole of mis, mistrust of yeah. authority and can't have that, <laughs> you know, and yeah, you have like the, the World Economic Forum and their stated mission of controlling economies and um, uh, the priorities of societies like that's a direct quote like. Economies control economies. You know, the market determines what the what what the market wants, and societies determine what they want. There's no, they, but these elite oligarch people, they all they all have. They're like hell bent on this control, and I guess that's one of their tools is Google, and it's a massive tool in their benefit. You know, that yeah, that that helps them do that. I mean, it even controls uh, DuckDuckGo. You know, like that DuckDuckGo. Most of their search algorithm is based on Google. So whenever and then they just admitted that they censored the results anyway right. during COVID. So right. it's uh, we're running out of places to go. You know, that's why it's so important to promote like this, uh, the Web 3.0, like the the bit, the blockchain based, um, you know, um, decentralized web, because I think that's the that's the future, man. Like, is it eventually this is going to be total control and, you know, you won't be able to do long searches like you did for that image of Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, find, you know, meeting uh, the Saudis. You won't be able to do that on the main internet. You'll have to go to this, you know, to the, I'm sure they'll call it some nefarious name. Like they already took dark web from us, but you know, like they'll, they'll name it something else, but 
yeah, yeah it's it's uh that can't come soon enough in my opinion <clears throat> yeah i i agree i i think it's 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 really interesting to see how the alternative platforms like that like DuckDuckGo, or you know we've seen them in the past the same way where they turn out they're not really alternative at all there's just a, a secretly couched art you know like to be quite honest and this is why i feel like they just won't respond to me despite how i'm reaching out to them all the time i feel rumble is kind of like that i feel like they're like the next youtube i mean if you really want to be honest about it and look at the background i mean they have Every, it's they're just a YouTube 2.0 I and mean, there's no effort to be, you know, so if the moment the establishment wants to be like, well, you can't let them say that anymore. They'll just do the same things they did on YouTube. We'll pull this out, pull that out. And so it makes me wonder why it's even there. And I think it's just, let's, you know, letting people collect elsewhere. And cause I'll be honest, I mean, I, I get the most views right now on rumble and it frustrates me because I want people to go somewhere else. But if I'm getting that many views, it's important, but it just, we need to start asking that question. And that goes to that point we made earlier about broadening. Don't just pick one. You know, use DuckDuckGo, use the other platforms, use as many as you can, you know, use Brave, use everything else, but specifically platform version, use Odyssey, use the rest of them. Because if you put all your eggs in one basket, it just, it increases the chances you can be manipulated, you know? But yeah, sure. I, I think that's where we're going. I mean, that's the technocratic future we're pointing out is it's one step at a time that Panopticon gets smaller and smaller and smaller. You will only listen to information we allow you to listen to. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nuts to think about. That's happening on any big, like going back to the 9-11 discussion too, you know, like what about all the firemen and policemen that were on the ground that were like, we saw explosions right there on the ground floor. You know, that's all, you can look that up with people, there's videos right now. How does that not challenge the entire argument? It does. But people out there that just don't know it's there. They never will know it's there because you won't find that stuff if you just do a broad search. You know, that's very clear. Speaking of which, this kind of is along the same lines. Matt covered the Hunter Biden story. I did a video about it. But to me, there was like an angle here that nobody really picked up on, which was nobody talked about it like at all. The mainstream didn't talk about it. The White House didn't talk about it. The Biden administration, the most corporate press. I found like one article basically saying like the Secret Service knows about the alleged Hunter Biden iCloud leaks. That was it. So in a way, we kind of silenced them, you know, by like hacking into Hunter Biden's iCloud and they didn't have anything to say about it. And I think almost now we're so used to there being some type of fact check or warning label or something to tell us like, Hey, like this is misinformation. Just the fact that they didn't talk about it at all seems kind of suspect to me. Oh, so yeah, more than suspect. I mean, to me, that's, you know, you can't go so far as to say that them not pointing at it means that it's what we think. Sure. It right. that's damn close, man. I mean, like if you, especially today with fact checking things that are blatantly true, you know, like, and just finding some weird sidestep to be like, you know, I don't get into it. You know how they play that game on the fact checks, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see that they just, I, I, my argument is that if they don't talk about it, it's because it's just that damning, you know, it's right. it, the Streisand effect. I mean, you can only exactly. dispute it so far, but if someone just goes, well, I'll look at it. I think they know that if you just look at it, it's undeniable. So they yeah. just, they go, well, we'll do the, the most amount of damage by just ignoring it entirely. That's what That's I think happened. Probably why we never hear the word voluntarism in yeah, right. corporate media anywhere. They don't want anybody... Sorry, no, you got to get anarchists on HBO. You know, that's a pretty big deal right there. Yeah, okay, that's true. All right, you're right. That slipped my mind. And that's, I guess that's more of a newer thing the past couple of weeks, which- but They were attacking it though, right? I mean, they were attacking the concept for the most part, right? Um, I didn't watch it, but I heard that, that we're like kind of going after the Anarchopolco concept and- 
Well, the two people who put it together and created it were actually at the Anarchapoco conferences. I think they're probably low-key anarchists. Maybe they've done some documentaries or something in the past to kind of get on HBO's radar. But it doesn't seem like they're necessarily trying to smear it or put it in a negative light. Um, they have sensationalized parts of it, but I think that's normal and natural for any type of entertainment where you're trying to kind of sell it, especially on like a streaming service these days. Sure. Um, but you know, along with what you're saying, you know, as far as not talking about things. And I know there was recently speculation about Biden possibly declaring a climate emergency this week. Yeah. And it, it turns out it would, he didn't announce a climate emergency. He just announced climate actions. Um, like, do you foresee this kind of being the new COVID template? Like they're going to use climate change as like the new COVID template. And it was this just like a potential media limited hangout are they just trying to set the table so they later could announce it and doesn't create as much backlash? Um, because it seems like the climate crisis is like the hot topic right now, front and center. And, um, you know, it seems like, as always, you know, they're just using empty platitudes uh, yeah. to, to propose, you know, combating this alleged climate crisis. But we all know there's probably a bigger agenda attached to it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that what first to the point about his executive order uh, the, the, I was doing the same thing. I was yesterday. I was kind of waiting to see if there was supposed to be an announcement. And so I covered what he what they said was going to happen. First, I think there's an effort now of the media to do the same with COVID to be this like waffling back and forth, like masks are back. Now they're not. Now it's a week. Now you don't. Now take four. You know, it's like it's just everyone's like, Jesus, just tell me what to do. Like it's like the apathetic yeah. kind of thing. So that's part of it, I think. It's like Fauci was like, I'm going to quit tomorrow. And they said, No, I'm not the next day. It's like, where did that come from? You know, so Biden comes out and they, oh, we're going to declare this emergency, you know, executive order or talk about something like that. And the Dems are pushing him to do it. And so I was like, it seems like it's going to come. Then they reported that, oh, well, he, the, the new reports are, he hasn't even made the announcement yet. So there's all this like leaking up to, it's ridiculous, that now it's not, but now it's going to be this kind of thing. And that's what you were talking about. Then he came out and announced in that speech where they said he was going to announce it, that he will be doing something next week. <laughs> so it's like, what oh, are ridiculous flow of events? So you right. would, the point was, if he was going to do it, it, there's no reason he wouldn't have done it then. I think it's either that, he realized that people were a little pu pushing back too much and it's going to wait or it was never going to happen. We'll have to wait and see what happens next week. But to the other point, I do agree. I think that this is, I think the bigger, broader way to look at it is this is a template for whatever comes next. We are in the new emergency political drive situation where everything's an emergency, everything's emergency powers, everything's mandates and executive orders. I mean, rule by fiat. I mean, that's where we are with this, this crippling, decrepit illusion of democracy, which is not even something we should really want over the whole thing, you know, that they're they're going to be using it for climate change or Marburg or another COVID variant or whatever they say next. We're primed for it. Lockdowns, masks, you know, control, quarantine. I mean, just don't do we shouldn't miss how it's the same solution for like four different completely disconnected problems, climate change, COVID-19, hurricanes. It's like lockdown, quarantine. It's like, why is it the same argument, you know, or like digital ideas and currency? Like it all seems to be in the same direction, right? So I do think climate change will be one if I had to make a choice about it. I think that that's very clearly been laid out. They've been yeah. sowing those seeds, setting that table for a long time. And I think the climate change push, we just saw this really hyperbolic, absurd coverage of this heat wave that is a heat wave. Yeah. Sure, it's there, but yeah. it's like a couple degrees or one degree more than they've had in the past. You know, there are places in other parts of the world that have way higher temperatures. You don't see grass bursting into flames. They also have grass. You know, it's like the way that they're framing this stuff is pretty ridiculous. So yeah. my my feeling is they're going to wait for just enough momentum, which is what they tend to do, or have some big thing happen that distracts you where they roll out this executive order. And it's it, the point is, it's going to be the same thing. We just they, what they stated was in his 
push off for the next week is something like the Defense Production Act. Look at that. Exactly what they did for COVID-19. So they can start initiating action for climate change. And, you know, it's going to be, I mean, there, there's, I mean, I could go off forever. The point is, yes, I think that that's going to happen. It's going to be a declaration of emergency. We still have an opioid emergency. We still have wildfire emergencies. There's, they go year after year, they continue, you know, so that's just going to open up these powers. And then, you know, at that point, we're kind of screwed. You know, we have this emergency management continuing forward. As Corbett said, again, I keep referencing him today, but yeah, I, I love James Corbett. Is yeah. there stop until we stop it right it's on us and the people to that 70 percent that i'm wishfully thinking is there stand up and say we don't agree with this and i don't know if that's going to solve anything but that's the first step right acknowledging we have a problem we have to get there first well said brother well we're getting towards the end of the podcast right now i just want to remind all of our listeners if you could please consider donating and subscribing if you appreciate the work we do value for value guys also go to our website www.thefreethoughtproject.com at the top you'll see the tabs for our membership for t-shirts stickers we have a bunch of merch and of course please review and rate this podcast if you enjoyed it hey ryan do you have any uh thing you want to plug right now we'll definitely put it in the bottom of the show notes yeah, I just, you know, like always, just the same thing, you know, don't let these platforms be the conduit between you and their information or my information. Go directly to their website, follow them there, and then from there, branch out, you know, and support them as best you can because people like the Free Thought Project, Last American Vagabond, these are, you know, these platforms are going to continue to fight for you regardless of what happens. So I appreciate your support and thanks for having me on, guys. I, I enjoyed the conversation. I, I really did enjoy the conversation too. It was awesome. Now, we didn't really get into this, but uh, I did see that you were a recent recipient of the Serena Shim Award for Uncompromising Integrity in Journalism. So congrats to that, dude. That's huge. And uh, yeah, we she's an amazing woman herself. We covered her back in 2015. Go to our archives and check out her story. And um, yeah, please remember to donate to T-Lab, guys. It's so important that we continue to do this and have outlets like Ryan's and ours out there doing this kind of dirty work and the actual real news and interjecting information that needs to be out there. But uh, Ryan, we very much appreciate your commitment and fortitude in the alt media sphere. Uh, Lord knows it hasn't been easy to exist. So our hats are tipped to anyone who has endured the struggle uh, such as you have. Um, you're very knowledgeable. We appreciate your expertise on these subjects and uh, we appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on our show. Thanks guys.